welcome to the Gridiron Show. Yes, we're back. Back after a week of saying that we would be back and then we haven't been back, but we are back and we're fully back now. It's Ollie and Will. We'll be looking at the AFC South. We'll have two big interviews from the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. And Ollie will try and battle his way through technical demons and being generally a technological Jonah. This is the Gridiron Show with Touchdown Trips getting you, yes you, in the game. Willie, I made it. Hello, this is the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you... (laughs) Yes, you. Yeah, you yes. were going to call it the World Gavin Show. Uh, I don't know what I was going to call it. At, <laughs> at, uh, get in touch at uh, Gridiron, at Talk Gav, at Ollie Hunter. Um, yeah, in association with the great touchdown trips, getting you, yes, you, yes, you, yes, you, yes, you, getting you in the game. Um, I'm feeling rather downbeat, Will. Is and that because we've spent about 20 minutes trying to start this podcast, but it's all been going horribly wrong? Yeah, at one point I almost cried um, because I Willie's down the line. I'm also down the line, but then we're recording at various ends uh, just to pull back the fifth wall, uh, the fifth curtain, and um, I couldn't get Willie on the on the desk, and then I could, and then I couldn't. It's all been it's all been horrendous. The real Uh, irony is in the amount of time it's taken to sort this out. I could have driven two thirds of the way to work. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Um, so it's fine. I'm I'm cracking on. I've just been watching The Dark Knight. Hadn't seen that in a while. The uh, Dark Knight. Which totally one's the Dark Knight? That. Dark Knight is the middle of the Nolan trilogy with the uh, Heath Ledger Joker. The there's a, the middle yes. hour of that film from. Uh, when like the they do the fake out Harvey Dent is Batman through the lorry chase through to the significant death that hour through there when it's done like a heist movie is one of the best hours of not just superhero cinema of any cinema wow that's that's a bold call uh i can't remember it so maybe i need to rewatch it and then think about your words then and take that on board but i don't remember it so it can't be that great oh, wow all right mate uh so coming up on the show today be... <laughs> i've upset willie <laughs> i've moved on I've moved on <laughs> <laughs> because you're so upset wow right coming up on today's show we're gonna be talking about the afc south because earlier today leonard fournette and uh hussein naki hussein naki who's the head of international development uh he's got a much flashier title than that but i can't remember off the top of my head uh we went down to the the westway sports center just under the westway right under the shadow of uh, grenfell tower down uh, down in west london in kensington and chelsea and uh, 100 kids from local schools turned up and did a a, a jag tag like a flag football uh, event with Leonard Fournette the superstar running back leading it and we got a chat with Leonard Fournette about him and his season and then had a really good chat with uh, Hussein Naki about the potential purchase of Wembley what it means for the future of the NFL and yeah we thought it was all round considering at that point it was about 9, 9.30 in the morning and I hadn't slept yet I thought it all went very well yeah it was a it was a really interesting day a, an incredible complex really at the foot of not 
I would say maybe 200, 300 yards away from Grenfell, which kind of looms over, um, over the over the this artificial 4G football pitch, soccer pitch, uh, and the kids that came out were amazing. Um, it was such a muggy, muggy day as well. But the star of the show really was Leonard Fournette. He was he was just awesome, wasn't he? What a guy! What a lovely guy! And he is um, absolutely blown up my Twitter today. I posted a tweet about him. Did you see the story that um, somebody? You'll hear hear his side of the story, but that uh, a an LSU student had posted a GoFundMe because she needed to raise ten thousand dollars to pay for her fifth year tuition, and yeah, she yeah, put. Yeah she'd posted asking you know people just if they could give five dollars ten dollars it would just take you know a thousand or or two thousand people who are very generous and and, you know giving up the cost of one beer would be able to pay her through her final year of college and uh leonard fornetch quote tweeted and said hit me up i'll pay the whole thing basically it obviously caught some national attention off that so i asked him about it it turns out that he actually knows that the the girl concerned that she worked as a trainer with the football team amazing that she can't get her tuition paid or help with her tuition when she's there working as a masseuse working as a that's a whole other conversation about the ncaa and the way they operate but yeah i posted that on twitter and it got picked up by a few places and uh, now my phone won't stop buzzing it's I mean, almost like i've posted an it's coming home meme i mean it's not like you're annoyed about this because this is right up your alley as at talk gav that you know your twitter will go go through the roof it, this is what you live for uh, 100% uh, twitter is the greatest video game ever invented and don't you just love it willie yeah it, it is absolutely uh, like it's addictive it's weirdly addictive uh, oh and... wow you've got uh... oh no, no no yeah yeah so the check down at the checkdown retweet has had a retweet of your video 543 times there you go and then then all the other stuff 124 you've gone mental today you've gone it's up bit... like a you've gone up 2000 followers not quite about a thousand or so well you're on 11000 and you were on 9500 so 1500 followers uh, except when it goes over 10 it, it rounds up and rounds down but yeah, but if you hover over it, it says 11,017. This is, we are getting very specific about my Twitter followers here. Yeah, I, yeah but you love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's the key thing. You do love it. This is getting weird at this point. Okay, moving on. How, let's show, I mean, shall, shall we hear from Leonard? He's the star yeah. show. Well, just to explain what we're going to do on the show, we're going to have Leonard Fournette and we're going to have Hussein Nakim. We'll have a chat about that. And then we'll just talk through the four teams in the AFC South, a division which, let's not forget, was one of the initial divisions of disgrace and now has a chance of actually returning, what, three teams with winning records this season? Very easily could be. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Should we, before we get to the interview, should we just cover off there is... Not a lot of news from the league, but there's a apart from obviously the usual X says Y team are better this <laughs> board. Well, as now. long as it's nothing pre-season, I'm happy. But um, there's a lot of suspension news. Okay, go on. 
So we'll start off with Julian Edelman. He's, uh, he will officially miss the first four games of the 2018 season. Uh, his appeal of his four-game suspension has been denied. It was reported on Tuesday. His ban stems from a violation of the Performance Enhancing Substance Policy. Uh, the NFL have since confirmed that it is the case that his appeal has been denied. I think that's kind of what we were expecting. Uh, Ruben Foster. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. I've got, I've got a, a new name for Julian Edelman. Suspendelman. No, no. Does it work? Yeah, maybe because maybe because Sus- their their performance enhancing drugs or PEDs. Maybe just Julian Pedelman. Julian Pedel Pedelman Pedelman. No, that that's a bit close to something else else, which isn't very nice. It would be. Um, it would be. That would be a good newspaper headline. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to overexplain it, but it just looks good on paper. I like Suspendelman better. But that's fine. That's fine. Who's the next one? Ruben Foster suspended two games by the NFL for uh, uh, violation stem from because he had the two misdemeanor charges, a misdemeanor drugs charge and a misdemeanor weapons. And uh, he has been suspended two games for violating the NFL's conduct and substances of abuse policy. This obviously could have been a much, much worse situation for him, considering uh, where he was two months ago uh, until the individual who had accused him of domestic violence admitted in courts that she had lied and also that she had previously lied in court and been caught for lying so that's a whole other situation we could get down but you know he still did get busted with marijuana he still did get busted with a gun which is illegal in the state of California Um, it was busted down to a misdemeanor charge because it's not illegal in the state of Alabama where he bought the gun originally so you know still a silly boy still deserves his two game suspension but uh, trust me, the 49ers will be delighted it's only for two games. Yeah, and uh, if you said at the start of this entire, um, you could say charade, that he, at the end of it, would be exonerated of most of it and would only end up with a suspension of two games and not have to go to prison, I think the 49ers backroom staff and 49ers fans and Foster himself would snap your hand off. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, not just that. Because, you know, it could have been four games, six games, whatever it could have ended up being. But as much to do with that, it's the fact that his name has been cleared in the domestic violence situation because, you know, you don't want to be rooting for a guy who, if they're going to do, if they're going to smoke some pot because it helps them with pain and injuries, well, there is a whole other argument to be had there. You know, marijuana is legal in the state of uh, of California at this point but it's not in terms of what it does to the league and what it is in in league terms. So there's a separate conversation, and I think it's a conversation actually we could very well have in some real depth and get some good guests on and do properly at some point. I think that would be a really interesting conversation that we could put together. But uh, actually, for him to get cleared of the domestic violence entirely, that's the thing I'm happiest about because I really root for this guy. I think he's a, a great player and I think he's got the potential to go on and be a you know a consistent all pro. You know, he, he, if after one season you can pick guys and say there's potential for future Hall of Fame there, you know, from the wow, last year that's he's big... one of the defensive players you could say has that has that level of ability. That's a really big call. But he he is from an ability perspective I'm not suggesting he's going to the Hall of Fame 
everyone has a chance to go to the Hall of Fame, particularly after only one year of their career. But he has clearly shown the level of ability needed in the part in the last six or seven games of the season that he could be considered the best middle linebacker in the league in five years' time. Listen, it, without him, the defense. You know, he's he's almost like the missing piece of that defense, and yeah. so for him to not be there for just two games means that you can cover with the myriad of either rookies or free agents that you brought in and it and you can cover for that and he'll be even he'll be more fresh to come back points approve so I think in the end it's a, it's a great thing for the 49ers that it's only two games uh, Packers have suspension issues as well Aaron Jones suspended yeah. for two games I mean Again, it's uh, for violating the NFL policy and program for substance abuse, yada, yada, yada. Um, when will these guys learn? It just it baffles me that they think they can get away with stuff, even in the off-season, and then it, it catches them up. I think that the marijuana is... There will be people who are using it as a uh, just purely recreational basis, but actually the fact is is that it is one of the most successful pain-killing drugs available to you. Uh, it is something that I, I actually don't have uh, any issue with a player using it recreationally. It's clearly not performance-enhancing, and particularly if you're in a state where it's legal anyway, so you're not breaking any laws, then I am fully and absolutely in support of it. Actually, looking, Sadly, looking into it, it's uh, from October 2017. A marijuana-related charge. He pleaded no contest in February. So, I mean, this was hanging over him when he spoke to us uh, back at the Super Bowl. Um, Yeah, interesting, interesting. It it means that Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery... I mean, Mike McCarthy has said that it'll be a running back by committee, but that can always change depending on what happens uh, during preseason and the preseason games and who looks better. I suspect Jamal Williams will force his way by that second game to being the number one but you don't know Ty Montgomery may have bulked up and may have looked more of a a complete running back despite the number on his back so you don't know what's going to happen but they do have adequate cover because remember when uh, when Aaron Jones went out injured Jamal Williams came in and he also looked really really good so uh, it's not going to hurt the Packers too much but again Aaron Jones will come back he'll try and force his way back in and that can only mean good things for what I think is quite a stacked running back back room and then finally the Rams guard Jamon Brown is suspended without pay for the first two games of the season guess what for Policy and program for substances of abuse. Okay. Uh, he'll set out the week one games with the Raiders and the week two contest with the Arizona Cardinals. Remains eligible to participate in training camp, etc. Um, he should be starting on the middle of that offensive line. He's appeared in 36 games with 30 starts. Uh, he started all 16 games at right guard in 2017, and that line really improved in that Sean McVay system. So he's going to be a, a big miss. And actually, of anyone on this list, I think you'd probably say... Ruben Foster and uh, and Jermon Brown were the two who would be the the biggest losses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've they've really beefed up that uh, that defense with bringing in Andomakan Sue, and then you know you've got um, you've got Aaron Donald there and Marcus Peters in the backfield, Akita Talib. So Lamarcus Joyner is, is there as well. It, it, they will miss him, but that defense across the board and what they did in the off season 
just looks scary as it is. Right, should we turn our attention to the AFC South and specifically our interviews first? Yes, let's let's do that. All right, well, let's hear first from running back out of LSU, entering his sophomore year in the NFL. Can he rein it in a bit? Can he stay healthy? Potential to be an all-pro, potential to be a pro bowler. Needs to get a bit more consistent. And as you hear from him, he's got no intention to change his style. This is running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Leonard Fournette. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about, actually, was we... Last time we spoke was when you were over for London. But since then, we've managed to go over to New Orleans twice. We went to an LSU game in November, and then we were back there in April. And we absolutely fell in love with the city, man. Good. I mean, uh, you know, born and raised in New Orleans. I went to LSU. And like I said, man, uh, it's nothing like playing Tiger Stadium, man. You know what I mean? Uh, memories there. You know, uh, to me, uh, one of the young legends that's, that came out of LSU, and I love it. Tell us a little bit about this student on Twitter who put up this GoFundMe looking for $10,000, yeah. and, and you said, hit me up, I'll pay it. Have you heard from her? Yeah, most, uh, I know her personally. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, we're both from New Orleans, uh, Janae, and uh, also she was my trainer in LSU. You know, she took care of me when I needed massages, uh, just the little things that took care of my body. And, uh, you know, she's from my hometown. And, I mean, why not, you know, give back to where I'm from? You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like uh, everybody needs that chance in order to do something they want to do in life. Uh, tell us a little bit about the guys coming from LSU this year. There's a couple of them we got to, like say, go to a game. First of all, fellow running back Darius Geis going to Washington. They're getting a good guy there. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, my younger brother, man, uh, I love him. You know, uh, he's going to be successful. You know, a lot of teams skipped on him, passed up on him, but... Uh, He's gonna make him pay for it. Just know that. And then you get DJ Chark coming in to to your guys as well. Have you managed to see him since he's come in? Did you get down to OTA? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, DJ, man, I can tell you a story about DJ. DJ was the only freshman in our household that didn't play. Yeah, you know, we all came in together. You know, we was freshmen. He's my roommate as a freshman. Uh, he's the only one that didn't play. And I'm like, I used to make fun of him, like DJ, man, you gotta play. You're the only one in the house not playing. And um, you know, when I left, he's wound up being number seven. And uh, he just he represented the number well. So, I want to look back to last season a little bit. You started off, you know, good season overall, getting to those playoff games, and we think you've gone out with the ankle injury against Pittsburgh. Come back in, 109 yards, three touchdowns. Not a bad afternoon. Yeah, most definitely. I thank God for that overall season, you know, despite dealing with the injuries. And also my team, man. Uh, without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at. We wouldn't be where we were without each other, you know, practicing every day, uh, motivating each other, hard work, you know, things like that. Was that the proudest moment of your rookie year? Uh, yeah, yeah. I say this overall beating Pittsburgh in the playoffs, which the our past couple of years before I got there we, wasn't that all that good, you know. So just coming around, you know, them drafting guys and bringing us the young guys with the old guys together, and uh, having that chemistry and come out there and winning. Now, obviously, in that game, you were playing opposite, as it were, Le'Veon Bell. He's been put under the franchise tag for a second year, and. He's opening up a lot of questions about how the running back position is valued, particularly for a position that you don't get a lot of time in the league compared with a lot of other guys. Do you think that in not getting a longer-term big-money deal, he is being undervalued? Uh, you know, me, per, uh, my, my opinion, yes, I think he is. You know, I mean, he does everything. You know, 300 uh, carries a year. You know, he catches the ball. He pass, protects like no other man. He's, he's the heart and soul of that team when it comes to running that ball. So I say, yeah. After the Steelers game, you get to the Patriots, and it's so near, but so far. And a lot of the talk was about, in that second half, that the offense just 
couldn't stay on the field, couldn't help the defense stay off the field. Uh, you know, did you feel that they were they were missed opportunities there? Yeah, a lot of missed opportunities on our half. But like I say, uh, that's in the past now. Uh, we played them our second game of the season, so it's going to be a good game. We're going against Tom Brady once again in that Patriots organization, so we can't wait. Full trust in, in Blake Bortles to recreate what was probably his most consistent year last year? Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, he is our quarterback. You know, all our faith is in Blake. You know, we uh, protect him by any means. Uh, it's off and on the field, and uh, we there for him. What about you going into year two? How are you approaching this differently? Nah, not, not really. <laughs> well, I say not really approaching it differently, man. Just uh, I'm older now, you know, uh, just studying the game more. Just letting it come to me and develop to me as a player, and uh, we'll see. Well, Nathaniel Hackett talked about you being a little less aggressive, maybe. I think he said run smarter, taking a few less hits. You know, is that something you're working on? I mean, is that something you can, you can actually teach a guy, really? Yeah, most definitely, I mean, but you, you can also work on it. You know, uh, developing those skill set to make a lot of guys miss like, each day at practice. It's like, it's, it's just drills you can do. But, uh, and I appreciate Coach Hackett. I mean, I love Coach Hackett, man. You know, he makes the game fun for us as a whole. Even when we're tired and stuff like that, you don't feel like practicing, man. He makes it great. You do feel like saying to him, though, or certainly we do, we are talking about a guy who, in a game last year, literally invited a safety to come up and hit him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that happened, man. Uh, just in the midst of the game of uh, being competitors. But like I say, man, uh, last year was a great season for us. Can't wait to kick off this year. It's something, the thing is, it's something a lot of your teammates spoke out about liking. I think the fans enjoyed it as well. As, as long as you keep yourself healthy, we like a little bit of that in the game. Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, it's competitive. Uh, you know, in that game, man, you never know what happens, man. His emotions going high. You know, so um, it, bring, it brings out the best in everybody. Does feel like they're trying to build the offense, continuing to build it around the run game, around yourself, bringing in someone like Norwell onto that offensive line who can just help to create those holes for you more, maybe keep you a little bit cleaner. Do you feel ready to, after a season where you only played 13 games, actually go 16 games, like you were saying, 300 plus carries and, and be that real bell cow? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm capable. I have the conditioning well for it right now, you know, getting ready for that workload. And I believe all the pieces they put together on the offense, you know, by drafting these guys or signing other guys, it's great. When you were carrying that, that kind of ankle injury on and off last year, that knock, was that something that, you know, you felt that you could have managed better, essentially? Uh, not really because, you know, it's football season, you know, you don't have any off time. You know, you have to run on it, you have to practice on it, you know, things like that. But I know for a fact, you know, just right now, just taking over it, my body right now and managing it right now and obviously the UK fans want to know about coming out here playing at Wembley getting to do it again this year and with your owner supposedly being right in the running to buy the stadium maybe for years and years to come oh uh, man I can't wait to come back out here man uh, the experience my first year was crazy you know you usually see the teams that's playing they have their jerseys of their team another team but everybody supports everybody you know what I mean that's what I love and uh, I can't wait Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing here today with the, with the schools, with the flag football, giving a little bit back. Yeah, most definitely, man. Just out here giving back to the kids. You know, they're the generation. I mean, that's our future. You know, so hopefully you never know. It might be one of these family. It might be soccer players, football players, whatever the case may be. And uh, they do the same. Are you going to get a chance? First of all, have you watched any of the World Cup? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I watched the penalty shot when uh, England won. Yeah? Yeah. Where were you, where were you for that? I was at the hotel in uh, the London edition. It was going crazy in there. 
Yeah, so, I mean, you were in on your own, but I like, could you hear the crowds out? We, I thought our building was going to come down. Uh, I was outside actually, and uh, everybody was standing outside this person's window. It was like a hundred people outside watching it, and it went crazy, man. I mean, it's nothing like it. You know, the support that they have here is amazing. Well, you get to watch the game on Saturday yeah, as well. Yeah, Sweden. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm going to go home and watch it, matter of fact. But I don't know if Rome won't like that. You know, I got to FaceTime Rome and see what he thinks. You know what I mean? Because that's my guy and I support him. So uh, we'll see. Well, I, no, I think, I mean, you're over here. You play here. Yeah. I think we've got a New England fan, right? Yeah, you're right. He does. 100%. <laughs> and so much so, I want you to look down the camera, Leonard. Yeah. And I want you to say, I'm Leonard Fournette of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even I know it's coming home. <laughs> I'm Leonard Fournette for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know it's coming home. England. <laughs> Beautiful. That's great stuff. Thank you, man. Right, thank thank you. you so much. Yes, sir. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sport relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is a winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Leonard Fournette of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, uh, was there anything? I, I loved the Nathaniel Hackett stuff because <laughs> the idea that he is, the way that he just laughed off me talking about the Mike Mitchell hit from last year and the idea that he's in any way going to get less violent as a runner. And actually, what's funny is when guys actually try and change their running style, you actually find that quite often that's where injury issues and stuff can happen because they are not doing something natural and then something can go wrong. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I, I, I mean, it, it, from that respect, I, I don't really have much to say more about it. But that Fournette was was really interesting on that, and um, he was he was like that across the board. Really, anything that you asked him, he had an opinion on. I thought found it really interesting the stuff around Le'Veon Bell. Um, some of Le'Veon Bell's teammates have called him out for for either holding out or or whatnot uh, i wonder if there is a a running back um not committee what's union. the word a running back union where they stick up for each other but i think he, the way that uh, fournette put it he outlined the worth of of uh, levion bell to the pittsburgh steelers and thought yeah i can i can see it from his point of view and you know, as a businessman, and, and and in the end, these guys are are businessmen. They're freelancers that then get contracted. It, it you you see what you're worth to the company, and I think Fournette's looking at it in in that way. So that the Hackett stuff, that uh, the stuff on the LSU guys, I found all of that really fascinating. Disappointed you didn't didn't ask about Leonard, but that's fine. <laughs> the um, the, the Le'Veon Bell thing the one thing I will say he wants 17 million a year so that he matches what Antonio Brown's getting that's 
whilst I understand that his worth to the Steelers' offense is maybe level with Brown, there is the durability issue that you get with running backs versus wide receivers. And that is the only area in which I understand why they wouldn't want to go and give him five years at 84 million or whatever that works out to be. But otherwise, you know, I I think pay the man, even if it's just like go with a a Kirk Cousins style, three years, fully guaranteed, $45 million. I think he'd take something like that. And uh, that's, you know, I think he's going to have really good worth to you for that period of time. Shall we um the, 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 sorry, the, sorry the sorry the funny thing is I think actually if he if he ends up leaving the Steelers there'll be someone that will pay him what he wants I think the other reason people think about it is because you're able to find your Kareem Hunts in later rounds you are able to that's find true. your yeah. Alvin Kamara's in later rounds and that's the other reason I think they think differently about the value yeah okay cool yeah let's that, hear from that. Hussein Naki <laughs> Uh, he is the senior vice president of international development. There you go. I found it out in the meanwhile. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is. We talked to him about um, the event on the day, but also the per- potential and planned purchase of Wembley. And uh, we go from there. So here is uh, Hussein Naki speaking with us at the Jag Tag event. We're at Westway Sports uh, and Leisure Center today. We are here with Leonard Fournette, our star running back. And. Uh, about 100 young people who are looking to be introduced to great American game of uh, American football. And uh, they're playing Jag Tag, which is a non-contact version of American football. We introduced it uh, about two years ago to the to the UK, and we're now uh, all over the UK, so all over England at least. Uh, we're here in London, we're in Manchester, we're in Newcastle, uh, uh, Portsmouth, a few other cities as well. And... Uh, you know, as, as as you can tell from the background, they're having they're having a great time, and uh, it's a great way to introduce them. It's a great way to uh, introduce some healing into this community that uh, has gone through a lot. Uh, we've been here for uh, for a number of months now, and uh, are really starting to see an impact from both a sporting perspective, uh, but more importantly, from from a healing perspective for these young people. And, and that's it. I mean, we've seen the increase in the number of Jaguars events that you guys have done here over the past four or five seasons, more and more in the summers, whether it is bringing players over to do media and do meet and greets and do fan Q&As and stuff. But actually this level, whether it's a Play 60, the Jag Tag, whatever it could be, when you made the decision to come to this location in particular, we are under the shadow of Grenfell Tower by the West Way. Was that an active decision you made knowing what this community has gone through in the last year? Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, there, we, we, we're irrespective of the community we're in, we try to make a difference. We try to make American football aspirational. Uh, we try to make a difference in these young people's lives. Uh, typically that is done uh, in places like uh, this, this part of, of, um, of, of Chelsea and Kensington or Kensington and Chelsea, or there are other places, you know, in, whether it's Surrey or, as I said, in Manchester or, or, or Newcastle, where, um, you know, there may be stories of, of tragedy or, or sort of tough in- upbringings uh, uh, that you don't necessarily hear about because they don't have the headlines associated with them. But uh, that doesn't mean that the young people there or, or here or anywhere else are any more or less uh, sort of impacted by, by what we're doing. And, and uh, it, 
trying to make a difference in young people's lives is very much part of the foundation of our sport, uh, but equally about the organization. Uh, and it's really part of our ethos and, and just a translation of what we do in Jacksonville every day as well. And I think it's something as well that... People who are less au fait with the sport, who know the Super Bowl, who see the pomp, the circumstance, the fireworks, all of that stuff, won't necessarily know that with the nature of the draft system and college scholarships, actually a huge number of, of players in the league will have come from backgrounds like these kids and, and football has been their way to, to reach the, the pinnacle that they can reach. Yeah, absolutely. It's like any other sport, right? I mean, you see that in football here, you see that uh, in rugby sometimes here, you see that certainly in American sports. Uh, that sports is a is a vehicle. It's a vehicle of, of bridging cultures. It's a vehicle of educating people. Uh, it is a vehicle of of introducing people to different things that they may not have otherwise done and getting people outside of their comfort zone. Uh, it transcends, right? Sports transcends a lot of a lot of these barriers. And American football, jag tag, whatever it is, is no different. And uh, you know, we're, we're really pleased to be a small part of that. And I do think that's what you see when you see the guys come over. It's Leonard Fournette today. We've seen Calais and so forth. A, a number of the, the guys who are the top guys on your roster who maybe, I'm not you know, putting down any other sport, but maybe in another sport you wouldn't get the number one guy coming out and doing something like this. You can see how much joy it brings them as well to give that something back. I can't tell you how lucky we are to have the global ambassadors that we do. Um, you know, our guys get it, you know, I'm not speaking to other sports, but our guys want to make a difference. Our guys uh, live it every day. You know, their foundations, the work that they do back uh, in ho- at home, whether it's in their home cities or in Jacksonville, uh, those are all things that uh, are very much part of who they are. And uh, the fact that they're flying over the pond to do it over here uh, is just a, that's a geography thing for them. Certainly not a, uh, a difference in anything that they would other, otherwise see because it's who they are. Uh, interesting off-season, of course, for, for you guys and for Sharp. We've got not far from, we were not far from Fulham into the Premier League this year. And then you hit the headlines with Sharp getting involved in the potential sale of Wembley. It's, it must be kind of an interesting time to be doing your job in particular with the relations with the UK. It's a great time to be part of Con Sports Entertainment Group. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he, is, he is on a roll. Uh, but, you know, look, patience is, he, patience is a virtue, and his patience and persistence has paid off. Uh, he has been uh, a really, really steady hand at the helm and through some challenging times, you know, obviously uh, getting relegated when he first bought the team. Uh, there have been some lean years with the Jaguars uh, <laughs> since he's had the team. Uh, now this year he, uh, he's really uh, hit it, and it's been, it's been gratifying to see it for him. You know, obviously you want people who... Uh, have that patience and who've, who've had the uh, the trust in the process to to have that pay off for him and and it's done that we're, we're really thr- thrilled for him and uh, really thrilled to be part of the organization he he's established for us Shard is a businessman first and foremost and when people ask me as someone who supposedly is the nfl guy for talk sport about the idea of the, the sale of wembley you know i'm saying well it doesn't mean anything for what happens with the franchise here in the future or anything else. More than anything else, it's a businessman seeing an opportunity and saying that's something that we can work with and grow. But from the conversations you've had, from the involvement you've had, how much is the mindset about NFL involvement at that stadium? Look, uh, Wembley is a world-class stadium. Uh, it is and will remain the home of England football. Uh, you know, that, is, that is a truism that has uh, been stated from the beginning and, and hasn't changed. Um, you know, with respect to the NFL, uh, we, we play our games there every year. We've won three in a row. 
we we love playing at Wembley. It is our second home. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate that changing anytime soon. And uh, you know, I think it's great for the sport. I think it's great for everyone involved. Uh, it gives us some stadium optionality uh, in this market, uh, and it uh, it is is good for the fans, uh, and it is good for uh, England football. And uh, we have. Uh, we have a pretty exciting weekend coming up for for the national team, and there's some uh, there's some great young talent that uh, is leading the way on that team, and uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that is the foundation of any sport, is is the grassroots development of the game, and I think the investment that Shot is is prepared to make uh, in the grassroots of the game, uh, which is how the FA has chosen to to deploy those funds if the deal goes through. Uh, is only a good thing for everybody involved, irrespective of the football you're talking about. And uh, we're, we're thrilled to be a small part of it and very hopeful the deal goes through. It, it wouldn't be bad either if the deal does go through and, you know, uh, gleaming in that front foyer as you come in is a lovely Jules Remey trophy. It's coming home. <laughs> That's what we want to hear. Absolutely. It is coming home. Uh, this is going to age quickly if we lose on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I actually put out a tweet on before the game watching Sweden, Switzerland saying, just scouting out England's opposition for Saturday. I knew that there was a chance that was going to be the worst tweet I'd ever done, but I got lucky. Yeah, I like to think so. Um, and kind of uh, finally on that front, are there any further plans with the Jaguars here, whether it be Jag Tag with, could it be, you know, there's been talk of a training facility, there's been talk of increasing the uh, how much time you guys spend out here. Are there any further plans to try and grow what you're doing over here in the UK? Well, we're always looking to grow what we're doing over here in the UK. Uh, we're, we, one of the things that uh, is a real hallmark of, of Shad is that he's never he's never stable in, in so far as he's never sort of standing still um, he's he's always stable he's, never, clear, he's not unstable no, 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 no. he's always stable he's just never standing still and uh, we're always developing uh, and we're always thinking of new ways of growing the sport new ways of growing our involvement uh, in the community and you know nothing uh, nothing speaks more to that than his willing to invest in in Wembley Stadium and uh, trying to improve that experience, uh, trying to make sure that it is a, it is a it's a slightly more active building, uh, obviously in keeping with with the with the norms of, of the borough and norms of what uh, is appropriate for Brent uh, and, and appropriate for um, for for the folks here in in, in London. Uh, but we have uh, we have big aspirations, and and uh, I would just ask you to stay tuned. We're excited. I tell you, we're excited. As are we. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Cracking stuff from Hussein Naki joining us at that Jag Tag event. And Ollie, I think, yeah, it was it was good to hear that he immediately acknowledged the tragedy of that area, what they'd been through, and and actually, it was something when we first uh, you know, approached and to chat to both these guys. Some like one of the PR said to us, "Look, whilst we know it's it's a big story, Leonard doesn't know anything about you know." Um, enough about the background of Grenfell etc to ask him about it we've told him about it but we don't want to you know put him under that kind of pressure to have to answer questions about it but Hussein willingly kind of brought up himself that that's an area that they'd you know decide has put on an event like that and then beyond that the the conversation as it moved on to talking about um about Wembley yeah I firstly on the on um uh, on on the the Grenfell stuff, and I think it's a a, a touch of, shows a touch of class from the Jags that Hussein did bring it up. First off, 
um, and I think it's in, endemic of and indicative ex- of exactly what the Jags are doing in and around um, in and around Britain, in and around London, that they are are connecting with local people on a local level, and I th- I think that and they're, they're they're spending the money and they're putting in the yards to do it. I think it's amazing, really. Um, and yeah. they then yeah, the Wembley stuff fascinating again. Cannot wait to see where that goes. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that actually just after and it was. It actually was announced around the time we were doing the interviews, annoying that we didn't get a chance to ask about it while the interviews were still going on. But um, the uh, we had the announcement that Anthony Joshua will be fighting his next two fights at Wembley Stadium. Uh, we believe it will be Povetkin most likely in September and then round to April to finally get Deontay Wilder in a ring in, in London. And uh, that's just more huge events happening on British soil at that stadium and another reason why yeah, he will want to be uh, he'll want to be purchasing that stadium and you know if there's a nice gleaming World Cup trophy there for them when they uh, when they buy it to sit in the uh, reception then doubly great yes yeah fantastic point because it is coming home I mean it may be we all hope it is <laughs> but it may be uh Let's talk about the AFC South in general then. Two new, two new coaches, Mike Vrabel and Frank Reich, coming in to take over at, uh, at the Titans. Of course, the old, uh, former defensive coordinator uh, who'd worked with the likes of Bill Belichick and, uh, and Bill O'Brien. Frank Reich coming from uh, the Super Bowl winning Eagles to take over at the Indianapolis Colts. Thoughts that he can work with Andrew Luck. Uh, Bill O'Brien and the Sexons and Doug Marone, who I think really impressed a lot of people with the, the bare performances in his first year at the Jaguars we've been talking Jag so that's probably where we should start uh, when you look at off-season moves Taven Bryan in the draft was adding kind of strength on strength as was Ronnie Harrison DJ Chuck offers them some stretch the field potential which could help out Leonard Fournette Andrew Norwell seems like the, the most key piece but they they, I mean other than Tanner Lee in the sixth round they didn't do anything to improve the quarterback position and I think yet again that will be the most paid to attention area of the field when we get to, to week one yeah and in the end however however well or not that Bortles does and we predict not very well because how can you make a, a good quarterback a bad quarterback good um, it, it's a I mean, I'm, diff- not predi- I'm not predicting he's not going to do very well. I'm predicting that, much like last season, I think if the They'll rest of the offense stays healthy, he will be a top 15, 16 quarterback, and that's all they need with that defense. But, I, yeah, think but- that, I, I think he will be more than serviceable. My problem is, is that you look at what happened in the playoffs last year, he had the beating of the Patriots. And then they took the plays out of his hands. They stopped allowing him to move the ball. They changed the way they approached the offense in the second half. And like I said to Leonard Fournette, they couldn't stay on the field and, and stop the defense from having to be out there constantly. You give the Patriots enough plays, they're going to damage you. I, I, honestly, I think Blake Bortles is absolutely capable of taking this team back to a Super Bowl again. Wow. Okay, uh... I'm not. Sh- I don't share that confidence because I don't think ultimately that he's that good. And the reason why he was able to do certain things that he did is because of the defense on the other side of the ball was so dominant that it allowed a, a, 
it allowed for him to end up doing things not necessarily that he would have done had the defense not have been that good if you know what I mean but I do I do like the addition of Dante Moncrief and Austin Safarian Jenkins I think Safarian Jenkins who has had his issues but by all accounts has gone through them and has come through the other side and, and is a better person he is a more mobile version of Mercedes Lewis and he's got good hands but he's also big he's a big guy and just the kind of bloke that Bortles need to needs to lob up into the end zone and I think at six foot eight or whatever he is, he could just pluck it out of the air. So I think that's a really great addition for Bortles. Honestly, if Bortles can do what he did last year, which was most importantly, cut out the mistakes, cut out the turnovers, cut out the interceptions, which he did in a big, big way. Okay, he's not, you know, going to be a top 10 quarterback. I'm not sure he'll ever reach that level. But can he be Alex Smith? Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. Um, Uh, So you're saying potentially at least divisionals yeah I think they're going to go 13 and 3 12 and 4 in and around that area and I don't see why they can't be pushing for a Super Bowl again this year or at least a Super Bowl appearance they have they have a tough schedule but they have the defence to back it up and no one none of that defence to my knowledge I think Puzlosli retired didn't he but other than that not no one key really left so I mean it it can only get better and as well, a test Bosley retiring actually quietly is something we, we should consider as a possible concern just because they were much better in run defence when he was on the field not in a dissimilar way to what Sean Lee does for the Cowboys when they're doing interesting things with their defensive front running stunts running different blitzes etc it's good and important to have a good game reading you, you can have all that pace in the miles jacks of the world who can who can do that for you and that's fantastic but when you have an individual who can sit back there make the right decisions cover the holes make the tackles Bosloszny is it all of that experience he had was brilliant for that and i don't know if they've replaced that or if miles jack is ready to step up and be the person to replace that so that's yeah. that's a that's a potential conversation and a concern but i don't think it's big enough to derail the team uh let's move on to the titans as you said mike vrabel's come in what do you think that he'll bring to that defence and the team as a whole that will make them more competitive this season? Uh, he's Mike Vrabel's a guy who doesn't have any track record as a head coach. He's the youngest head coach in the division, but he is a, a real classic, no-nonsense defensive coordinator coming in and, and being ready to, to do the job. And, and you know, it can't get any worse than the coaching had been previously. They went nine and seven for the last two years and, and honestly were an incredibly streaky team, really lacked consistency offensively. Mariota had a really down year last year. That's my only kind of potential concern when you appoint somebody like Vrabel. You're bringing in a guy who um, who is designed to work on the defensive side of the ball and they've got talent there. I really like Rashad Evans, who they brought in in the draft. I really like, as you know, we love Jarrell Casey, who's going to be coming along. They need to find some more natural pass rush, not just rely on uh, Brian Arakpo to be doing it all the time. But uh, I like who they brought in at the back end. They've now got... Yeah, Jonathan Cyprian, Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, Kevin Bayard. That's a good-looking backfield at this point. So defensively, more than happy with them. Offensively, they bring in Matt LaFleur, who 
he was obviously part of that super successful Falcons team that managed to uh, managed to go to the Super Bowl with the ridiculous offensive records they did. And he's a great quarterbacks coach, and that's what they'll be hoping he can get in there and, and make the most of of Mariota. I, I still have concern over the weapons around him. I still have concern yeah. that De- Derek Henry for being an absolute battering ram hasn't shown the consistency Dion Lewis was I think a brilliant pickup for them to augment that but again he's never been a 300 carrier guy a seasoned guy so can they get a good backfield can they get a good balance going and they've got a bunch of guys with a huge amount of talent to catch the ball uh, Taylor Tawan Corey Davis Rashad Matthews TJ Sharp these are good wide receivers on paper none of them have stepped up and really done it they can't keep relying on old man Delaney Walker to be their big yeah. target. Well, do you think the fact that Lafleur worked with Shanahan in that incredible run by the Falcons and the way that they uh, moved their skill players around, those pieces around to get the mismatches, and when you've got such a a big unit and a savvy player like Delaney Walker, and then he's brought in Dion Lewis, who is brilliant catching the ball out of the backfield as well as doing some of the dirty work north to south as well Derek Henry also can catch the ball as he can do it we didn't see it as much but he can do it do you think that's a consideration that we may see more mismatches offence wise that's the kind of thing that they'll try and do yeah, I think I, I desperately hope that's what they try and do. I think we'll see a lot more kind of 22 formation, a lot more 12 formation with two running backs on the field or two tight ends on the field or even 22, two running backs, two tight ends on the field. I think we could see a lot more of that. I think defensively, when they were number one ranked in, uh, in rushing defense last year, only 69 yards per game, but they were giving up 256 yards through the air, 31st in the league. So they were right to go out and make moves there and I think Malcolm Butler is a superstar I don't know I don't know if we'll ever know why Bill Belichick dropped him for the Super Bowl but I think it cost them in a huge way against the Eagles so they have looked to improve in the right areas it's whether or not you buy into Matt LaFleur as a coach being enough of an improvement on the offensive side to actually drag Marcus Mariota back to where he was in his rookie season when he was showing such amazing strides and working with those receivers to they have drop issues they have route issues they they're all skilled gifted guys they just need coaching and is that enough or did they need to bring talent in time will tell but I like to think I think I'm expecting more from the Titans this year I don't know if their record's gonna be much better back around the nine and seven ten well that's funny do you do you think nine and seven Eight and eight, given it's the Even, first the first year, would that be not obviously it wouldn't be an improvement, but would that be progress? They're one of those classic eight and eight, nine and seven, ten and six teams who their record could vary by four wins on a, practically a coin toss because they're right there on that cusp. Um, I I believe actually in the Titans. I think that they will. I, I this is what I was saying about the AFC South this year. I think it's really stacked because I do like the Titans. They just have to prove to me that the coaching changes are going to get the best out of what is clearly a talented roster. I think I think 9 and 7 is the best that they c- can hope for. And we'll see where that takes them. It may not take them very far because actually um, when we look at uh, the next team the Houston Texans we saw an absolutely jacked JJ Watt on the gridiron uh uh, Instagram earlier today Josh uh, put up a, a, a picture of him flexing um, 
he's going to be back. The rest of that defense looks formidable. And then with some of the weapons that they've got on offense and hopefully Touchwood, Deshaun Watson's back as well. I think the Texans are the hardest team to predict to see what they'll do. They may be the hardest team to predict in the entire of the AFC. They're the AFC South equivalent of the Chargers right now because they just can't keep all of those pieces yeah. healthy and on the field together at the same time. Uh, and it continues and continues and continues to be a concern. Obviously, they had a lack of high-round picks this year due to the fact that they went out and moved so much as they did for uh, for Deshaun Watson, so they weren't picking until the third round. And then they actually had a lot of picks later on, but they just were all in the later round. So they weren't able to hugely augment what they have uh, on the team there. But... I mean, you know, I'm an unashamed Lamar Miller and Dante Foreman fan if they can get going. just It's hugely going to be down to, A, can the pass rushers stay healthy? Can J- it's, I mean, J.J. Watt is a guy who a lot of people would put him in the Hall of Fame today. But the, the type of injuries he's had, the regularity of the injuries he's had over the past three years, that you wouldn't be shocked if J.J. Watt comes back and has lost a step or two and never gets back up to that level. I'm not saying he'll be a bad player because he's clearly an intelligent player and 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 uh, has football smarts and obviously is insanely hardworking, but he may never get back to that level where he's just a nailed-on all-pro every single year. Then you're looking for others to step up around him. Whitney Merciless, who's had his own issues. Jadavian Clowney, who's had his own issues. And then uh, still... Even with the addition of, of Tyron Matthew in the backfield, I'm not so sure about their pass defense, so you need the good pass rush in there. They are the they are a team... I was talking about how the Titans are a team who sit right in that bracket of they could be you know, anywhere two wins either side of eight. This team could be you know, uh, everywhere from yeah. 14 and 2 down to 6 and 10 because they are so unpredictable. And actually, Deshaun Watson's a huge part of that. Everyone is going to be so hyped for Deshaun Watson. He will go flying off the fence in, um, uh, flying off the board in fantasy leagues. People are going to be all over him. But he's exactly the kind of player who we have seen in the past have a brilliant first year and then get figured out. I hope he doesn't because I love watching the guy play. But let's hope the injury hasn't affected him and let's hope he can come back and, and still show what he showed us in the the small sample size of his rookie season a couple of players that I love as much as you're a Miller and Foreman fan I love the wide out duo of uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller Hopkins got amazing hands Fuller's got that that raw pace and speed and I really love watching them play Uh, you mentioned a player coming back from injury and we hope it doesn't affect him Andrew Luck from the Indianapolis Colts will we ever see the um, the talent that we saw in that first couple of seasons if he makes a comeback because it's still a big if I'm desperate for it to happen Frank Reich coming in whose role within the Eagles I think was somewhat underrated by some there is a huge conversation to be had there about just how much he can help Andrew Luck by redesigning the offense to keep him healthy because the problem is he just invites contact he's so willing to take the hits and he's so willing to to step up in the pocket and make the plays where sometimes he should throw the ball away he needs to get smarter he's an incredibly talented man but he needs to realize that the offensive line even though I like the right side and think it's developing nicely and they brought in Quentin Nelson who should be a beast they've done the right things this this year 
but they've still very much got the weakest roster in the AFC South and it's going to take time. I almost feel like why risk Andrew Luck at times when you're going to have to take time to to develop him? Yeah, absolutely. And in Jacoby Brissett, they've got a guy who, okay, he is nowhere near the talent, but he showed in, in fits and bursts that he can make some plays. He's dangerous on his feet. And an extra year especially with the practice with with the amount of practice that they're going to have with him because they can't put all their big, their eggs in the Andrew Luck basket, uh, basket. so the more time with that that first team squad you'd expect him to be a better a better player with them than he was last season so there is that I worry about the offensive talent uh, I love Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton but other than that there isn't really much there. Eric Ebron flattered to deceive in Detroit. And then that defense, the defense looks weak. I could see these guys. They could be first pick come the I, end of I, the season. I had them around four, five, six wins, anywhere in that sort of region. I uh, think they... six is extremely generous. Even with Andrew Luck there, I would have them three wins. I think they'll improve from last year. Coaching will be a big part of it. Andrew Luck, if he's healthy and back, will be a big part of it. But they can't improve enough in in such a short space of time at all. No, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. That was a whistle-stop tour around the AFC South, and I loved it. We managed to nail this in under an hour. We've, we've, this is what we're meant to do. Podcasting 101. And crucially, uh, I need to go and uh, do my actual job. So, yeah. That's fine. Uh, you get off. I'll just let people know. Check out touchdowntrips.com. Uh, we, there are still places available on our tour. It's been selling brilliant. We had more conf- people confirm in the last week, and it's going to be absolutely wonderful. Plus, if you're a wrestling fan, we happen to be in LA on Survivor Series weekend. Me and about three of the other people on the tour are already planning to go to Survivor Series after Chargers Broncos on the Sunday that we're there in LA, and we may even go to another game on the on the Monday as well, uh, another like Raw or something. But we're figuring it out. Uh, that's by the by. Five great football games, college games, everything else. It's going to be amazing. So touchdowntrips.com to find out more about that. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show.